Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. Hi, Jets fans, and welcome to my Random Thoughts for March 27th. Number one, the Winnipeg Jets went 2-1 this past week, and they are still sitting in the second wildcard spot, four points up on Calgary with even games played, and they're five points up on Nashville, who have two games in hand. So the good news is they actually do control their own fate. Um, I think they still got to win a few more games, obviously. They can't uh, hope for help on the out-of-town scoreboard every night. But uh, I believe they play Calgary one more time. That's going to be a key game. But uh, win the games you should win. Uh, win your home games, and they should be fine. Number two. Watching Jansen Harkins play with the Manitoba Moose makes me wonder if he's due for a call-up. His AHL numbers are actually very good. In 35 games with the Moose, Harkins has 20 goals and 21 assists for 44 points, and he's a plus 15 if you believe in plus-minus. The Jets' bottom six isn't really... I mean, they're playing not bad, but they're not scoring. When I say bottom six, I guess I'm talking more so about the fourth line. Uh, Lowry and Appleton have been pretty decent lately, along with uh, Nemesnikov. But uh, the bottom guys are holding their own, but they're not really chipping in. And I'm just wondering if Jansen Harkins, with a load of confidence scoring now, might be you know might be able to help them. I wouldn't mind if the Jets uh, called him up and had a look. Doesn't uh, it can't hurt anything? Like I say, the fourth line's not doing a hell of a lot. So let's give him a shot and see what he has. In number three, I say. Fans bitching about the win over the Coyotes last week really pissed me off. And I posted uh, my tweet from Twitter where I said, the Coyotes had an eight-game point streak coming into the Jets game. And the next night on a back-to-back took took the Oilers to overtime. And there was bitching about a 2-1 victory. Shame on you. Maybe people need to stop underrating our opponents. And I guess the point I'm trying to make, you can go to last night. Uh, they took Colorado to a shootout. So never uh, underestimate your opposition. And for God's sake, stop overrating the Jets. They ain't all you think they are. They're a good team, but they're not playing well. And there's no such thing as a guaranteed two points. Uh, the Coyotes are a hardworking young team, and they're very well coached. So, um, yeah, let's let's give our opponents a little more credit. And you know what? When you get a win, don't bitch about it. There's no style points. Take the two points, say thank you, and let's move on to the next game. Number four, Kyle Connor finally got off the schneid in Anaheim and scored his first goal in 12 games and his first on the road in 16 games. Uh, It was quite a relief. Uh, You could see it when he scored the goal. He didn't do the old grab the monkey off my back, Uh, but he knows he's been struggling, and um, it was a pretty easy tap, and he couldn't miss it. And I had to laugh at the guys on the uh, on the broadcast were saying, that's what you got to do. Go to the net and get a greasy goal. Well, there was nothing greasy about it, but it was a goal, so we'll take it. And the goal came in a win, so, you know, all in all, okay. But he still isn't playing great. He's still on the perimeter, and he just refuses to go to the tough scoring areas, and he doesn't shoot the puck when he has the chance. Skates around a lot, uh... I don't want to diminish any goal, but you know what? He's got four goals this year against Anaheim, so uh, maybe that's maybe that's what he needed. Uh, 
next uh, next night in uh, Los Angeles, he wasn't great, and that's basically his been his mo. You know, he gets into a game with a big grinding tough team, and he kind of disappears. At least one thing I can say about the LA game, he didn't disappear. He did have some chances, and he played fairly well. But uh, overall, he's still not Kyle Connor from last year. In number five, I say, I've completely lost faith in Rick Bonus's ability to assess his lineup and play the right players together, as well as even dress the correct lineup. And I'm really, you know, mostly basing this on the power play. Yes, I know their power play coach has been away ill. Uh, for two to three weeks now, it kind of shows he must have had some influence on him. But with the coaching staff that's in place, and even Rick Bonus being the head coach, he's been around long enough where all you got to do is look at the power play and it's not working. Uh, they keep trying little tweaks and they're just not working. There's got to be somebody on that coaching staff that can straighten out that power play and get them to shoot the puck more, start getting more one-timers off the uh, on the off wings. And, uh, you know, get somebody in front of the net for some tips. But, uh, yeah, the power play is just a joke. Uh, it's basically almost 0 for two weeks. They finally popped one, uh, I guess it was on Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles. And it was with 30 seconds left in a five-minute <laughs> power play. So, uh, yeah, they got one good for them. But they had one later in the game and they couldn't even get the puck in the zone. It was pathetic to watch. In number six, I make reference to a quote I made last week. Uh, so number six starts off saying, I said this last week and boom, Dylan Sandberg was a healthy scratch. I don't get it. And the quote I had from last week was, this is just a basic observation. Dylan Sandberg has more than proven himself and should never be taken out of the lineup. Well, what happened after that is uh, on Cap Friendly, which is a terrific website, that uh, is out there that it references every team's salary cap, player salaries, uh, no movement clauses, uh, you name it, they got it. It's excellent. It's capfriendly.com. If you don't follow them, follow them. And uh, it's very inform informative. But they posted a tweet on Twitter and it shows the remaining games until a player loses their waiver exemption status. So after the, my quote, I say, some fans are speculating that this could be the reason that Sandberg has been a healthy scratch lately. Now, this would make sense if Sandberg was a bubble player, but I don't think he is. And this reeks of Chevy Chipman interfering with, the, with Bones' lineup. Um, basically, what it comes down to is if Dylan Sandberg plays three more games, and now it's two because he played on... Uh, he played in on Saturday uh, versus Los Angeles. So if he plays two more games the rest of the season, next year he loses his waiver exemption. Do you really think, can you see your, this team sending Dylan Sandberg to the minors? You know, it's possible they could take him out of the lineup. I mean, they do dress, they dress 20 players and they have 23 on the roster. So like I could see if he got sat for a game. But being sent to the minors and worrying about him being waiver exempt to me, to me is a joke and a really weak excuse. Um, on the, uh, I guess it was the game in Anaheim, the healthy scratched them. And instead of just being honest about it, they said, 
well, you know, Kyle Capabianco is a better puck mover. We wanted his puck moving ability in the lineup. What a crock of shit. Like, really, just, you know, be honest. Uh, there's no way that Sandberg should have been taken out because of his play because he hasn't been bad. I mean, he's mostly playing top four minutes. He kills penalties, moves the puck decently. It, it, there's no excuse for it. I don't get it. I don't get the Jets, a lot of the things they're doing. Uh, this one I'm not putting on bones. If it really is a waiver thing, that well, that reeks of uh, Chevy's interference, but uh, I, I don't see it. I don't think Sandberg's ever going back to play in the AHL, so why even worry about the waiver exemption? Number seven. The Jets had another game where they couldn't score five on five. The LA Kings were just fine letting Kyle Connor, Mason Appleton, and Nick Ehlers figure skate around the perimeter all night. It's the NHL, not the F and Ice Capades, boys. And, of course, we all know what the F and stands for. I resisted swearing there. But, man, it's so frustrating to watch them. They fly down the wing. They're at the circle. They don't shoot. They either do a quick stop and curl and look for the trailer or skate behind the net. Like, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's so frustrating to watch. Nobody on this team drives the net like PLD or Niederreiter, those guys will take the puck to the net hard. Our scale wingers are still so soft. It's just so disheartening. I mean, you got to grab a pair, go to the net, take the cross trick. You know what's funny? They look for that perfect play. And especially the one that got me is twice Appleton. He actually had to step on the guy. and All he had to do was angle to the net. You may not get the shot off. You may not score. But if you get the shot, maybe you get the rebound coming to the winger or the center driving the middle lanes. Or you force the guy to grab you. you know, haul you down. Get the penalty. Um, it's just like we're soft and we're, we're, we're not very smart at times. Number eight, the Winnipeg Ice. The Winnipeg Ice finished the regular season with the best record in the WHL, and they will have home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. The Ice finished their record-breaking season with a 57-10-1 record. That's unreal. Now the, the real shooting starts on Friday night in their best-of-seven series with the Medicine Hat Tigers. And then just below that, I list the, uh, the schedule for the seven games. It's the first two in Winnipeg, next two in Medicine Hat, and then 1-1-1. One, one, one if necessary so uh i i would think that the med or the medicine hat tigers are in big trouble and the ice should probably take that series in five but you never know just win the series and just move on to the next round number nine if i'm kevin shovel day off i'm doing whatever i can to sign pierre luc dubois to a long-term contract asap mark shifley has one more year on his contract and I don't see him having a long-term future here anymore. Um, uh, you know what? I hate to say that. Shife's one of my favorite players. But, you know, since the benching a couple weeks ago, he hasn't been the same. Uh, looks like he's lacking drive. He's not really getting engaged that much. And I just I think he's pissed off again. He reminds me quite a bit of the Mark Shifley towards the end of last year. You know, the media's turning on him. The fan, Some of the fan base is turning on him. I haven't lost faith in him yet. I still think um, he does a lot of good things on the ice. But in comparison to Pierre-Luc Dubois, it looks like he's coasting. Well, if moving Mark Shifley is what it takes to keep Dubois in town, I'd be all in. 
I think there still might be a bit of an internal power struggle for those top two center positions. The Jets got to keep one of them, and my first choice right now is PLD. If we don't sign PLD and if he goes to free agency, with Scheifele having one more year left on his contract, and if he's just pissed off enough to bolt, go to free agency, now we're stuck. You know, we've been looking for that one-two punch for years. We've given up first-round draft picks to get that second-line center ever since Brian Little uh, was injured. Uh, we could be out two centers. I'd offer, <laughs> I'd offer Dubois a healthy, healthy pay raise. Give them six, seven, eight years. I don't care. I prefer. I like the five to six year contracts. No, I don't like eight year deals. But uh, that's uh, that's something I definitely be looking at, and would be number one priority. Uh, number ten. Is, <laughs> this is a follow up to my uh, my uh, thought last week about uh, Carson Breer. So uh, it reads. This is a follow-up on my post from last week on Carson Breer from the privileged piece of shit file. Three misdemeanor charges were filed on Monday against the son of the Philadelphia Flyers interim general manager, Daniel Breer, after the video posted on social media showed him and another Mercyhurst University athlete pushing an unoccupied wheelchair down the stairs. Police in Erie, Pennsylvania filed charges of criminal mischief, criminal conspiracy to commit mischief and disorderly conduct against Carson Breer, who just completed his third uh, hockey season with Mercyhurst. Patrick Carosi, listed as a senior member of the school's lacrosse team, faces the same, same three charges, and rightly so, because if you watch the video, it was Carosi who kind of took the wheelchair and pushed it to the edge of the stairs, and who knows what they said, and then Breer flipped it down the stairs. I don't know what's going to come out of this whole situation, but was one thing for sure for these two shit stains is these charges and going to court is going to interrupt their little preppy life and it's not going to be as jolly and as fun as they thought it was going to be. So screw them, piss on them. Uh, I hope they get the buck thrown at them. They don't deserve any mercy and uh, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm done talking about them. Fuck them. Number 11. All I say is surprise, surprise. Uh, TSN 1200 uh, put out a tweet. Chitrin is out for a few weeks with a lower body injury. So the report is Jacob Chitrin is out for two to four weeks. Surprise, surprise for me. And this was one of the reasons I didn't want the Jets or didn't care if the Jets really pursued him. Uh, I would have liked him. He's a hell of a player. But this guy is a walking wounded. He's always injured. Um... You know, he has a history of injury. He hasn't proven that he can play a full season yet. So, you know, you don't want to spend draft picks and top prospects to get a guy who's out of your lineup half the time. He hasn't proved he can stay healthy. And you know what? I'm just, uh, I'm fine with him signing in Ottawa. Better them than us. Number 12. The mainstream media in Winnipeg have no problem ripping into Mark Shifley but they rarely say a word about how awful Kyle Connor and Neil Pionk have been. Shifley has been stuck on 38 goals for a couple of weeks, and he hasn't been very good since him and Kyle Connor received that benching a couple of weeks ago. But it's like these guys couldn't wait to pounce on him. Scott Billick and Mike McIntyre aren't wrong in their criticism and their assessment of Mark Shifley's play. 
But it seems they have an axe to grind since the Nike didn't come out for their requested post-game media scrum. I don't mind of mainstream media ripping on a guy or criticizing any player. Actually, I wish they'd do it more. I think the media nowadays is soft. Uh, they don't really attack players like they used to in the old days. I, don't, I guess attack's the wrong word. That's not what I meant. But uh, hold them accountable. I just wish it was more of a level playing field because there's a lot of Winnipeg Jets players that have been dog shit this year. And uh, I haven't heard anybody ripping on, on the other players. I mean, we all love Adam Lowry. And he was basically scoreless for, what, 30-something games. Manalainen had a big drought. Uh, Morgan Barron had a big drought. As far as I'm concerned, Kyle Connor's been in a season-long drought. He started slow, scored a few goals, you know, against a bunch of cupcake teams. Uh, his totals and his numbers are nowhere where they should be. Not even close. And uh, he hasn't, it's almost like Kyle Connor has a Teflon suit on. He does, he's like the golden boy. But for whatever reason, it's like a carryover from last year when when Mark Shifley had a lot of criticism directed his way after his postseason media scrum. Um, I like Mark Shifley. Um, here's the thing. 38 goals he hasn't scored for a couple of weeks. He's still their leading goal scorer, but yet uh, uh, guys were bent out of shape because he didn't do that press conference and because Nino Niederreiter came out and did it when he was just a new guy and took accountability. And at the time, I said, Mark Shifley owes nobody anything. Uh, he has to be accountable to his coach and his teammates, not to the media. And I guess the point I was making, and Shifley said it himself the next day when he did talk about it, there was no point of him coming out in the media scrum and saying something stupid that he didn't mean. Uh, he, he basically said it was best left on, you know, unsaid in a cool-down period. Uh, that same game, Kyle Connor never came out. Nobody said anything about him, but then Kyle Connor addressed it right away the next day, and he said, I didn't know I was requested. Now, you can see uh, when they show pictures of the inside of the Jets' uh, dressing room, they have a whiteboard by the in the dressing room. You can't miss it. And the guys that the media request have their numbers on the whiteboard. So I bet they both saw it. I don't believe Cotter never saw it, but he didn't get it as much flack as Shifley did. Like I said, uh, Shifley for a couple of years now seems to become the whipping boy. Number 13 is a poll question, and it's very interesting. Uh, the poll question is, playoff success or failure notwithstanding, should the Jets be in a rebuild mode for the, in this offseason? The first one's just a straight yes. The second one's just a straight no. The third one is yes, but not with Chevy as GM. The fourth one is yes, and I'm okay with Chevy being GM. The fifth one is yes, a full teardown. And the last one is yes, but with a retool on the fly. And that's the one I think makes the most sense. If we're going to move on from some players, there's no need for a full teardown. There's too many good pieces to tear this team up to shreds and build from the ground up. And if they were going to do that, then they probably should have never even considered it. It would have been this year with Connor Bedard out there. But, you know, you still got Josh Morrissey. You still got uh, Connor Hellebuck. You got Lowry. You got Ehlers. You have too many good players. You know, if, if Dubois does leave and if Shifley does get traded in the offseason... You can still retool. You're going to still get something back for those guys. I don't know how long 
uh, Kevin Shevel, they also going to let this PLD thing hang over their head. Um, if there's no indication of him resigning, I would hope they would move him as soon as possible, get maximum value for him. Uh, Mark Shifley, you know, he's going to be a 40-plus goal scorer. You should get something back for him. So that would just be, in my mind, a retool. You should be able to get two useful players back or maybe three. or You can, you can throw in players and picks, however you want to do it. As long as you can fill at least one of those center positions, uh, maybe next year you use Cole Perfetti as a center, um, although I don't think he's ready for it. I don't think he's physically strong enough for it, but let's give him a shot. Uh, retool, yes. Tear down, no. Number 14 is my weekly question for Rick Bonus, Kevin Dayoff, or Mark Chipman. Today, my question is for Mark Chipman. If the Jets miss the playoffs or go out with a whimper in the first round, do you think Kevin Dayoff has done enough to come back as the Jets' GM next year? And then in brackets, I have FYI, Chevy is under contract for two more years. Kevin Dayoff has been the GM and executive VP of the Jets since the team relocated to Winnipeg in 2011. During his tenure, the Jets qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs four times, including the Western Conference final berth in 2017-18. Shevel Dayoff was a finalist for NHL General Manager of the Year in 2017-18. So we're looking at that, it's not exactly a glowing resume. Um, we all realize that you know, the market and Kevin Shevel Dayoff has a hard time. Uh, he has a lot of things that um, make it tough to be a GM in Winnipeg, but... It is a results-based business, and I'm just curious, like, I don't see them firing him. I don't see him resigning. I think Mark Chipman likes to have Kevin Dayoff as his GM because, like everybody speculates, we think that Mark Chipman has his fingers, you know, in the hockey operations. Uh, that's why I think it's going to be tough uh, for him to fire him, but... Like I've said in earlier podcasts and earlier random thoughts, when uh, Kevin Shevel Dayoff starts to affect the bottom line and the money with uh, sweet sales and season ticket renewals, Mark Chipman's going to have to make a tough decision. And for my way of thinking, I like Kevin Shevel Dayoff. I don't like a lot of things about him, but I think he's been here, I think, 12 years now. And uh, we're looking at our fifth, well, if we make it, we're looking at our our fifth playoffs in uh, those 12 years. We had the one glory year where we could have gone to the cup final but didn't. But is that enough for him to keep his job? I do not think so. Number 15. According to Money Puck, as of this morning, the Winnipeg Jets have a 79.6 chance of making the playoffs. This number is very fluid, like I said. Changes every day and I will continue to update them until they clinch a spot. Last Monday, the Jets were at 63.5%. And like I said, this week they're at 796 So with those two wins and a Calgary loss here and there, and a, I think Nashville lost a couple of games, like I said, the Jets controlled their own fate, so that's why the number has gone up. And plus they did, you know, they did get four points in the standings out of, out of the three games they played. Just to show you how fluid it is and how the odds change daily, like we said, uh, last Monday they were at 63.5%. Uh, 
the next morning, Tuesday morning, they were at 75.7. Um, Wednesday, they were at 71.5. Uh, Thursday, they went to 72.0. Friday, after the Anaheim game, they went to 82.9. Saturday morning, sorry, let's backtrack that one. After the win against Anaheim, they went up to 83.3. And then after the loss to Los Angeles, Sunday morning, they were at 77.7. And uh, with, without even playing uh, on Sunday, they were back up to the 79.6. So, well, they, I mean, the odds look good. Uh, they control their own destiny. Um, let's see what happens. Uh, once again, is number 16, where I look at the special teams. All three of the special teams took a dip this week. The power play just keeps on going down. Like, they're below 20%, and that's embarrassing. Uh, they're at 19.6 right now. They, they were at 20.4 last week. Uh, they've dropped like five or six, seven weeks in a row. The PK was kind of strange because they were actually pretty good all week. Uh, they were at 82.9 this week. They were at 83.5 last week. And they were in second place. They dropped to fifth, but their percentage is still very good at 82.9. I, I don't really recall a lot of power play go goals going in this week, but uh, maybe the other teams were a little better. Uh, and the face-offs, <laughs> down again, but only slightly. It's, they're at 24th. Uh, they were 23rd last week. Face-offs have been a problem all year, so I'm not going to... That's a dead horse. I'm not going to keep on beating it. Uh, number 17 is the goaltending. Uh, Riddick never played last week, and I don't think we're going to see very much of him down the stretch unless we clinch or Helly gets injured. God forbid. Hellebuck's numbers are still solid 32, 23, and 2. 259 goal, goals against average, 918 save percentage with three shutouts. Uh, you know, uh, he's he's been good all year, keeps him in, in most of the games. Uh, number 18 is. The good, the bad, and the ugly this past week. Uh, the good. I thought Adam Lowry and Brendan Dillon both had really good weeks. A uh, couple big guys playing physical. Lowry uh, kicked a couple goals in. Dillon made a couple passes, got a couple assists. And uh, all in all, those they were they were two 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 pretty good players. Uh, they were a couple guys that actually showed up in L.A. So good on them. Uh, that this the bad is very annoying, and we see it all the time. Uh, the bad. The number of times the Jets shooters missed the net <laughs> and the number of times they passed up shots when they are in a grade-A shooting position. I, I don't get that. There was one time Blake Wheeler was like 12 feet in front of the net. Instead of just snapping it on net, he tried to put it down low to Ehlers or Nemestikov. I can't remember who it was. And they didn't even get a shot on net. Uh, our guys pass up way too many shots in the prime scoring areas and it's... Uh, it's annoying as hell. The ugly, well, <laughs> instead of ugly, I called it the ugly, ugly, ugly. The Jets' power play <laughs> in the past two weeks is 1, 4, 6, 10, 13, 19, 21, 26. 1 for 26. They finally snapped the goose egg in L.A., where they were one for four, and I put a little asterisk beside it because the <laughs> the, the four was uh, that five-minute major. So they were on the power play for 11 minutes 
and they managed to get one goal with 30 seconds left of that major. It's embarrassing. I mean, we've, I mean, we've, we've, we've beat this to de- to death already. But it is. It's got to. Uh, it's got to change. We we need some. We need some help on the power play. Um, I don't know um, what more he can do. Um, it's just a bad mindset from our guys. It's like they're afraid to shoot. Um, just get something on net and hope that PLD or Nino can get something down low. Get a get a greasy one because whatever they're doing now is just not working. Number 19 is my Kyle Connor watch. Well, nothing much has changed. You can add one more goal to his totals. But just to take a poke at KC, uh, I got a tweet on here where it says, you know, Clayton Keller is a small, skilled, soft, not great defensively perimeter player on a one-line hockey team that has put up 34 goals, 44 assists for 78 points. And I put in capital letters, WTF is your problem, KC. What the fuck is your problem? I mean, I had season tickets in Arizona, and I watched a lot of Clayton Keller. Uh, he was a little bit younger then, but he's still a young guy. He's not very big, and he plays a, a very soft perimeter game too, and he's probably one of the worst players I've ever seen defensively. But yet he's got 78 points, and they only have one line. There's no secret who you got to shut down on the Coyotes. You know, there's him, Barrett Hayton, and Nick Schmaltz. And somehow those guys managed to score. And we allegedly have all this firepower and depth up front. And KC um, can't outscore Keller. Shame, shame, shame. Uh, in my last thought, number 20, I say, like most Jets fans, I hope they make the playoffs and make some noise. But, and then I have a multitude of question marks. You know, I, I want to think that if they use the old adage, all you got to do is, uh, you know, get to the dance, you know, all you need is a chip and a chair and you're you're in. But the way they're limping into the playoffs, and we've said this in the past, there is no switch that you flip. You know, the, the competition will get hard, harder, and the, the boys, for the most part, will ramp it up. But will they give it enough to get it done against the tough team to play, play against? Uh, I don't know. I, I have hope, and I really hope that they... Uh, they show us something, but I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> well, that's it for this week, Jet fans. You know, if you have any questions or any topics you'd like me to address, fire me off a, a DM on Twitter or or something in our comment section at WinnipegHockeyTalk.com. I like interacting with Jets fans. It's one of the more fun things to do. But uh, if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends. And like I've said a million times now, Uh, You can reach us at Spotify, you can reach us on Amazon, you can reach us at the home base, WinnipegHockeyTalk.com, and basically anywhere there's podcasts, we've got, uh, we're on the register for about five or six of them, so uh, until next week, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, go Jets, go!